Thank you for downloading, subscribing, streaming Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Look, you all know by now, leave me a review, use my Amazon link, and do me a favor. We're going to talk about it here on the show this week. Make sure, if you're in the New York City area, August 16th, you're at the Highline Ballroom. Go to HighlineBallroom.com and get tickets to the first ever Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live experience, okay? If you're shopping on Amazon, use NotSam.com slash Amazon. Leave me a rating and a review on iTunes, but also make sure you get tickets to the big live show at Highline Ballroom. Let's start Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here we are. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And what a week, what a week, what a week. You already know. You should already know by now. I got the word out there. The first people to find out were the ones that are on my email list that they used NotSam.com to sign up for. Some of you learned from social media. Others from the promo that I put out here on the podcast feed. But Wednesday night, August 16th, for the first time ever, I will be doing Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live, the full experience in front of you in New York City at the Highline, Highline, easy for you to say, at the Highline Ballroom. Tickets are available at HighlineBallroom.com. And I have to tell you, I cannot emphasize enough that this is going to be a spectacular show. Like, this is the show. We're going to be really busy SummerSlam week. This is going to be the show that celebrates the culture that we've built, that celebrates everything that is Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You can go on to HighlineBallroom.com now. You can get uh, tickets, general admission, or VIP. Uh, There will be a free gift with the VIP ticket that I'm going to tell you about here on the podcast. I will get into at least one of the special surprise guests coming in for that show uh, here on the podcast in that bridge segment between the interview and the state of wrestling. I'm going to get into all that today, so make sure that you listen for that because uh, I want everybody to be informed. But if you haven't gotten tickets yet, you know, it's a limited seating venue, so make sure you get tickets. Go to HighlineBallroom.com or follow me across any forms of social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at NotSam, and you can see the link there as well. But get your tickets, get them early, get them often. I don't care if you buy all of them, just get them, okay? I want to make sure that you all get a chance to be out there. Um, we got a lot to uh, cover in the state of wrestling, and we will. Of course, Nakamura and John Cena is going to be a big, big part of that. But before we get there, hey, it's time for the interview. Uh, Sami Zayn is on the show this week. Sami Zayn stopped by my SiriusXM show, and I wanted to share that with you. Uh, we did. We got into wrestling uh, somewhat. We got into his character a little bit. We talked about uh, uh, what, what's who Sami Zayn is today. You know, we see sort of the, the over-talking, annoying Sami Zayn character that kind of has come out of nowhere, and I was interested in how that character came about and what it means to him and everything. So I talked to him about that, but we also talked about Sami for Syria, which is his big uh, charity foundation that he's working on right now that's going to get medical help to kids in Syria. It's not about politics. It's not about religion. It's simply about people who need help. And Sami Zayn has set up something that is going to help them. And money that you donate to that uh, will go straight to it. I don't want to talk any more about it because Sami Zayn 
is the guy to talk to about it. So here he is this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's Sammy Zayn. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Sammy Zayn is walking in. What's going on, pal? Hello. How are you? I'm good. Well, welcome, man. It's been busy, but uh, I would imagine it's been busy. I saw you in in Philadelphia on Sunday, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, and then where were you on Monday? Uh... I don't remember Monday. Uh, Newark, Newark, Delaware. Newark, Delaware. Yeah, pretty good show. Yeah, and yeah. then SmackDown last night was in Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. And, uh, I had a, a car service that drove me to New York from Richmond. From Jeez. Richmond, so I was I I just got in around four or five in the morning, and I got what time is it now? Ten or something? So, <laughs> yeah, it's about ten thirty. Uh, it's busy, and then after this, I'm gonna go to this. Uh, Beyond Sports United thing. It's like an award gala uh-huh. celebrating, you know, um, people using sport to facilitate social change and raise, uh, you know, awareness of global issues and things like that. So I'm pretty honored to be here. And that's why I'm in New York. And that's why we were able to connect here today, which. Yeah, uh, that works cool. out. At yeah. what point do you do you at any moment get a chance to reflect on like what you're doing with your career and stuff? Like take a like a, a second to be like, rarely. Wow, that was yeah. cool. Or or. This is where I'm at right now. Uh, I think you need to step out of the box sometimes and just get some perspective. I mean, in general, not just with what I'm doing, but in life. Like yeah. You need to – perspective is important. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a tendency to change these conversations and get overly philosophical. But That's okay. As, as it pertains to me, yeah, we're very busy, so it's very hard to sometimes just sit and bask in the glory of your achievements. You know? <laughs> right. But like um, – Because it's just so funny because like WWE will put together these packages, right? And it'll be like – it'll show – you as like a kid being a wrestling fan and then like 10 years ago working in the indies and just like clawing your way up through this thing and then it'll show you now and it'll be like this amazing story but then every time i actually talk to you guys it's like you're so busy doing it that story hasn't really gone through your Brains. It's like the, whenever he stops, it's like butterfly effect. Oh. His brain catches up and his nose starts bleeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Jesus, that's too much to process. I'd say since signing, I've had a lot of those moments, but they're just sprinkled in. I'm sure you even doing what you do every now and again are like, I just saw Wesley Snipes walk out of here. So, right. you know, maybe when you're a kid and you're like, man, I never thought, you know, it must hit you once in a while. Like, I never thought Wesley Snipes would be coming to talk to me or I don't know. Just But you that's know. the perspective thing, I guess, that you have to like, this isn't just Wednesday. Like, take a second yeah. to acknowledge that you just hung out with Wesley Snipes yeah. for a little he bit. He came to talk to you. Right. Yeah. Right. This <laughs> is my room. <laughs> this is your room. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. Sammy Zayn, yeah. the wrestler from the TV, yeah. he waited until I was done talking to Wesley Snipes <laughs> yeah. to come in so he could talk to me. So you've done pretty well for I guess yourself. But do, you, but do you ever have that self-doubt important. that creeps in after a while? You're like, well, actually, his publicist set it up with my booker <laughs> and then she's in. I had nothing to do with it. That's why it's not good hanging out with comedians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bring you down. Yeah, yeah. Immediately, I'm like, well, 700 people did this before me. What do I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then look at this guy. This guy's actually friends with Wesley Snipes. I, he just came in. To... I want to write a book with Wesley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, man, so it's, but but this is technically your day off. You're just out and about doing everything. Yeah, technically. Mm-hmm. But uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. New York's nice. So what have you... Uh, uh, 
you're you're kind of raising awareness, right? Yeah. For your, for your uh... yes, which is why I'm happy to be here on my day off because I, I appreciate you having me here uh, to talk about this. Uh, basically, what, what I've done here is I've launched a fundraising campaign, mm-hmm. and it's called Sammy for Syria, like SammyForSyria.com or whatever. You can go check it out. Uh, and the nuts and bolts. S A M I. S A M I. For the word for uh, Syria.com. And the goal of this fundraising campaign, I, I'm working with this uh, medical group, a humanitarian group called SAM, Syrian American Medical Society. Mm-hmm. And uh, I chose them specifically because they're a U.S.-based group. They're in Washington. Uh, you know, they're non-religious, non-political, non-profit. And uh, it's strictly to get medical aid to those that are in need. And uh, essentially the goal of this fundraiser, uh, raising these funds, is to launch a mobile clinic on the ground in Syria. And what the mobile clinic essentially does is it provides medical care to people who literally are stranded or are displaced or are living in tents or whatever it is that have no access to health care. Right. So we're bringing health care to them. And I think that's what's so exciting to me about this is it's we have an opportunity to directly – like it's such a direct way to help people. Yeah, you're not like uh, uh, giving money to this thing. Yeah, and you don't really know where the money goes. Yeah, Yeah, and 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 I get that. And uh, for a long time, I wanted to do something to help. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Syria hits very close to home to me. I'm of Syrian descent. My parents are Syrian. Uh, I have family in Syria. I have family whose homes have been destroyed in Syria. I've been to Syria. Yeah, you know. How, yeah. how, how do you look like Brian Scalabrini then? Uh, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> Thank God, um, he's not Syrian. Though. But I, I do. No, I do get it. I, I, it's been like the story of my life. A redheaded Arab. I get it. Uh, right. You know, people Louis think I'm C.K. Irish. though is a redheaded Mexican. Mexican. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't know that. Was well, he half? I think. Is he yeah, half or he's half? Yeah, yeah. You're I full got Syrian. Full like as far back as I. I did my family tree in like the fifth grade, and I think like five, six generations. It's all Syrian, you know, in inbreeding, keeping it, in, <laughs> keeping it in the village. That's keeping... where the red hair comes from. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should not have used the word inbreeding. Right. I just right. yes. I meant keeping it in. Yes, right. You know, uh, no, inbreeding refers specifically to your family sleeping with each other. Yes, that's yeah, not. That's, I don't. Yeah, think I'm that's more okay. of a product than that than you. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. my uh, my family tree of cannons to bardens really comes close in ireland <laughs> yeah, yeah once you get to ireland it's kind of a branch not yep. so much a, not so much a tree um the point is it, it hits very close to home right right and so uh you know you, you just talk about wanting to do something but obviously the situation is so complex uh that you know you, you tend to feel powerless as we all do at certain points when we see these overwhelming issues so um i'm just so excited to be involved in something that can so directly uh, help people. And we're going to be able to see the results yeah. so directly. And that's very, very exciting to me. I also think it's cool that it's, I mean, the part that really works for me too is that it's non-political uh, uh, and non-religious. Because that those elements tend to mask the fact that they're people. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? And we don't think of it as like we have anything in common because this is just a body of either this political group or religion or something that we don't understand over there dude totally right totally it's uh it just uh um and you're like you that's really my uncle f- like, yeah what do you, what exactly, do you mean? <laughs> exactly and that's um and that's another thing i think a lot of people can't really put uh i don't know how many americans or whoever's listening to this i mean we're in new york so it's a bit of a different story here mm-hmm. but a lot of people just hear syria and that's a very it has heavy the word has heavy implications Ugh. and you don't really know you don't know these people. They're not involved in your community. You don't really deal with them on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but me, I am Syrian. So 
maybe you don't know that, but I am. So, right. you know, you can look directly at me and say, well, that that's him. And it would be me if my parents didn't move to Canada in the 70s before I was even born, which had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Then, you know, it would be me over there. <laughs> Is it a, a, a was it a surprise to you or has it been a surprise to you that you've never been asked to uh uh, in WWE or outside of WWE, done like a, a Syrian stereotype gimmick. You know what I mean? Because usually when people find out about that stuff in the wrestling business, yeah, that gets cashed in on quick. Yeah, well, I'd like to think that we've kind of evolved past that in the wrestling business. I, I'm probably not entirely true. I mean, <laughs> you like you see what our WWE champion currently, Jinder Mahal, is like. You know, I mean, even he's not like a stereotypical Indian in the way. He's, He's like, not, you know, the new school. There's intricacies to There is, there yeah. is. But it used to be um, the 80s. I mean, the 80s was just a different time. Yeah. Well, anyway, you cut it. Have yeah. you watched Glow on Netflix? Uh, I haven't, but I've heard of it's, Rave Reviews. Oh, it's, it's great. It's pretty fantastic. And they really illustrate how of much course. stereotypes had everything to do totally. with Totally. You're an choices. Arab? Okay, get a carpet. Yep. You know, right. I mean, no, it was, it was really, that changing's only kind of shifted uh, recently, pretty recently, I'd say in the last... Uh, I don't know, generation, if you right. want to call it that, you know, uh, just I don't think you have to be the thing that you are. And I don't think you have to be that simple Japanese guy. Oh, come out and, you know, bow. Right. Or like Irish guy, do a little jig. You know, like there's no <laughs> Arab guy. Uh, on put on a put on a <laughs> turban. There's no uh, like we're past that. Right. You know, and uh, and I'm proud of that. I really am. I'm proud to see that the company. Uh, that I dreamed of working for my entire life that I'm now fortunate enough to work for, which is the WWE, um, that I don't have to fit into these boxes anymore. None of us do. Plus, WWE is such like a force in social media specifically. And I think social media, the positive end of that is how much it's opened up the world, right? Like it's exposed Absolutely. everyone to everything. And I think that's what familiarizes and that's what makes stereotypes a little more like ridiculous. Like this isn't well, look, I, real anymore. Uh, I have a lot to say about social media at different times, depending on when you ask me. But the bottom line is, um, we've raised all this money already for Sammy for Syria. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has been completely because of the internet and social media. So um, I think... I think it's all in how you use it, you know? Uh, you can use it to go and uh, go like, hey man, you suck, you know, or whatever, yeah. like not really accomplish anything. Or you could use it as a productive thing to spread awareness of these issues or to help people or to raise money that you know is gonna help people. And, uh, you know, and that's what we're doing now. Well, let me tell you, after that, uh, that pre-show I did for WWE on Sunday, if there is a charity for uh, uh, people who say Sam has a bad haircut, it would be a very wealthy charity. <laughs> what do you? I just. Don't, what do you get out of that? You know. I don't what know. What do you get out of logging and you have to sign in? You do. You have to click the little button. You have to maybe even type your password and right. Just to, Mine's automatically to tell, remember yeah. your password. Yeah. You have to. You have to find. You have to at mention. Yeah. Figure out what my Twitter name is. I dude. have to tell this guy his hair sucks. Yeah. I have to. Have to. That being said, how fun would a stereotypical wrestler based on a Twitter troll be? That mm. is what we need. Now that's, that's the 2K17 Very progressive version. thinking. That right? is very yeah. progressive. That's where we're headed. Yeah. Just yeah. like an internet troll that's sitting there like starting these fights with other wrestlers, but he's just there on his keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Isn't like... there an under the radar guy who wears like he's an SJW or something like that? He was wearing a Hillary shirt all over. And there, like I did, I did see that online. I don't know. It's like such a good idea though. Well done for him to be the only one uh, kind of yeah. picking that up. Well, how did because uh, like your your uh, wrestling character is very like Scott influenced like with the music a but little bit i would imagine that that was kind of a foreign concept to a lot of people in wwe no uh yeah and it wasn't something i actively pitched or something um 
God, I don't know if I want to get into the whole story here, but the nuts and bolts is they kind of picked up on the fact that I like that kind of music, that I'm into punk or ska or whatever it is. And and they're like, oh, you like this kind of, well, the music I had at the time was just like pretty generic stock, like, you know, like, here comes a wrestler to the ring. And it wasn't really me. And then, um, Hunter, you know, Triple H got uh, Paul to me, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Triple H to you. But uh, he, he, um, you know, he got wind of it and he was like, oh, if that's who you are and that's the kind of music you like, we, we should, you know, do something that's more in tune with who you are and as, as a person in real life. Yeah, that's kind of so, amazing. Yeah. So again, it goes back to that shift in thinking of like not fitting into these boxes and bringing out who you really are and playing that up and amplifying that. You know what I mean? And yeah. Instead of being forced to, well, but you, I know you have red hair, but your, your nose is kind of big and you are Arab. So <laughs> put this turban on and uh, here, pretend this carpet flies and right. none of that, you know, it's just, this is who you are. This is what you do. Let's let's turn up the volume on who you really are and what you're really about. Yeah. And, and that's what people end up relating to, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I think so. I do. I do. And uh, yeah, I agree. I think so. So you're also like at the beginning of uh, our conversation here, you were saying that you sometimes will take conversations and turn them into something else. Mm. And it seems like that's also becoming a part of your character that like when yeah. you're doing like interviews <laughs> backstage, you're like, wait, your character is like annoying and doesn't stop talking. Well, I hate the word annoying. <laughs> but that's the character is why I said, I don't. I'd say relentless. The character, <laughs> uh, you know, um, were you like when you get when you get cast as like, OK, we're just going to have enthusiastic, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. There's we're a... going to have you be a guy who like the wrestlers kind of roll their eyes at when you're talking. Well, Do so you that's... go like that's not right. I They don't. Do that well. Look, I don't. Not to get into the whole thing, but I, I, I it's all about the interaction with these other characters. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna roll your eyes at me, then I'm annoying. But if you find it like kind of charming, which it could be, right? And because it is aspects of my real life personality, and there have been times I'm sure I've annoyed people, and there have been times I'm sure I've charmed some people <laughs> right. with my, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you want to even call it. Verbose nature? Uh, my yeah. verbose Arab Canadian I... <laughs> ginger or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, with me, with whatever all this is. And, um, you know, so it's however you, if you find, if you're going to like sell it, so to speak, as endearing, then it's endearing. Right. But if you're going to have like guys rolling their eyes then it's like, oh, this guy. Right. You know, so it's, it's whatever you make it to be. You'd prefer not to be this guy, though. You'd probably like to be endearing, right? Well, generally, but how uh, how the audience is going to interpret that right. is up to them. Yeah. Right. I do think it helps if my, uh, you know, partners in crime, like whoever <laughs> I'm working with, uh, treat it as such. Do you so. ever have to, I mean, not mentioning any names, but do you ever have to be like, hey, guys, maybe you can make me <laughs> out to not be such a douchebag? Like, maybe? Um, God, there was one particular promo where they had written me a certain way, like, or... Uh, how do I explain it? Uh, I just felt very annoying when I was reading it. Right. I was like, you know, the same thing just changed ever so slightly, not not in what I'm even saying, but in the way the characters that I'm interacting with uh, react to it will change this from I like this guy to I don't like this guy. And we're trying to, like, you know, you want them to like me because yeah. that's my yeah. job, you're, right? Like, You're I'm a, a good guy. I'm a good guy. <laughs> yeah. That's so, interesting. It's not just the audience's interpretation of you. It's also each individual writer because a person is probably is, is writing for your thing. So if they find you more on the annoying side, they'll typically write 
that way. Sure. Well, and, and maybe they won't see it as annoying. Right, maybe they'll right. see it as like, oh, he's zany. Like, <laughs> right. pardon the pun, you know, <laughs> right. Sammy Zane or whatever. But, uh, Which would be the worst. He's there. wacky. <laughs> yeah. He's a wacky. He's just, he's going to talk and whatever, gonna you know. He's going to put the Zane in Sammy <laughs> Zane. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, is Zane on its own a word, by the way? Like zany, zany, you know, how, oh, zany fun. Uh, yeah, but I would think is, that. Is yeah, there a Zane on its own? Because you would think that Zany would be like, this is An a person who's, Zane, who's quite a bit of Zane. Zane. Yeah. Zane. A lot of Zane. Lots of Zane. Yeah. Billy um, Zane from Titanic. Oh, yeah. I hope you have a lovely time together. <laughs> yeah. Best, best criminal villain ever. And guess what? A little Zany. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little Zany. A little zany. Yeah, it makes sense. Good, good lips. But you're, so, so you're reading this and you're like, this, this is an easy switch. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, it's all uh, it's nuances, as you said earlier. It's little intricacies and uh, uh, just very, very little things like that. Sometimes, if you have a character smile or if you have a character frown, I mean, you're telling the people what the relationship, especially if it's like uh, an AJ Styles or somebody like that. That I'm interacting with AJ or something like that, and AJ is our top. Uh, one of our top good guys on SmackDown Live. Right. So if AJ Styles, who is some kid's favorite wrestler, is watching AJ Styles roll his eyes at Sami Zayn, <laughs> he's like, I know, right? Right. You know? But, right. If, but if AJ's like, man, he's wacky. <laughs> well, people... He's wacky. I don't know his accent. You know, he's southern. <laughs> but um, you get my point. Totally. So like, if, if, you're, if you're the best guy, if you're my favorite wrestler's friend, then yeah, I'm yeah. as a kid, I'm going to yep. sit there and be like, you're cool, too. Because yeah. you're his friend. I mean, Hulk Hogan made a career out of that, right? He'd just be like, this is my friend. Yeah. And then people would be like, well, he's the second best guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but if Hogan were like, yeah, how annoying is oh, Burgess the Barber? He's BK. constantly <laughs> giving like the, this guy thumb, yeah. you know. Like, this guy, right? Like it's oh. it's me in the audience being like, yeah, what a douchebag, huh? Uh, so the character is in flux, I would say, definitely. Um, because there's aspects of the character, uh, and I don't want to drone on and on about this too much, but... Uh, there's aspects of the character that it's like about, you know, always standing your ground and fighting the good fight and always trying to do things the right way and like an upstanding guy. Right. And, and again, aspects of that, um, you know, uh, were more on display, let's say, uh, when I was doing a, uh, a program with Braun Strowman, who's this inter insurmountable oppressor. Right. So now it's like standing up to oppressor and standing up to tyranny. And then you like, get to fight for what's right. Right. And then, like, you know, a week later, I'm like, uh, well, you know, I'm George Costanza. So, right. Uh, it's, it's the character's in a strange sort of position at the moment. You got to find that balance. Yeah. And, and where it's uh, a natural thing. Exactly. And I think there is a balance. And I think the balance, the, the middle ground is me, the mm -hmm. real the real me, because I, I am both of those. So I, I do, uh, as you can see, I am a little rambly at times, even now. Like, no. you know, this coffee's just starting to hit me a little bit. I'm working <laughs> up. And, uh, you know, I, I can be a little rambly or I could be whatever. I can take conversations in these, you know, strange directions that maybe they didn't start out in. Yeah. But on the other side, like, again, going back to what I'm actually doing in real life with this Sammy for Syria thing, it's uh, I am about trying to raise awareness for and do what's right and help people when we can help people and use uh, my platform as a WWE superstar to uh, help. Right. Help people with medical aid, which isn't necessarily related to wrestling, but it's real life. It's and people, so, though. It's people. And so what I'm saying is all these elements of me as a person, I think... I think I'm in this process as a character of making them meld together. Yes. And I understand, even in real life, never mind as a wrestling character. I remember mm -hmm. when I used to go to bars, like, 
eight years ago or something. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting old now, brother. <laughs> I don't go out as much. <laughs> you know, um, you know, like it, it took people aback in real life. When you start talking to them, I'll go, hello, what's your name? Oh, I'm Cindy. Hi, what's your name? Rami. Oh, Rami. That's an interesting name. Well, what is it? Oh, well, I'm Arabic. You're Arabic. Right. You have red hair. What? That you know? doesn't make any sense. Well, do you want to drink? No, I don't drink. What? what? You don't drink? <laughs> you're at a bar? You have red hair? You're Arabic? But you're Canadian? What? what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pro wrestler. Oh, what? You know, like, I get it. It doesn't. Right. It do, it's not an easy. It's not something. And this is what I've struggled with as a WWE uh, performer. You want to like sell things very easily, right? And, and and to go back way back to what we were talking about earlier, if you want to go real 80s and pedestrians, like you're Japanese, okay, you know what? Everybody gets that. So right. be really, really overly Japanese. But we've evolved past that, right? Yeah. Right. So, but it's hard to just hang your hat on one thing this with me. Thing, this thing that you can't translate to one person at a bar is a difficult thing Ex to translate exactly. to a mainstream audience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I've always struggled to try to find sort of one aspect of my personality and blow it up. Right. But just like, you know, real people in real life, we're not just one thing. So I can't just sell myself as, hey, I'm Mr. Ska Man. Right. Or, or Hey, I'm neurotic Woody Allen, or hey, I'm, you know, uh, uh, I'm gonna stand up for you know justice and you know whatever all this stuff. Or, or you just get the flying carpet, yeah, and just, and just say, yeah, that's you know like, what, you know this what? might be Maybe the like easiest. Ten more years, once I'm like <laughs> I, just okay, I can't do this anymore. Give me the wrong. turban, I'm I done. I can't fight anymore. It's no, like an no. actress that leaks her own nudes just yeah. to keep working. We're wrapping up. The computer's gonna cut us off. Okay, um, but. I would encourage everybody to go for to Sammy S A M I Sammy for Syria dot com and uh, donate what you can and uh, and it's a good cause and it actually helps. We will be able to bring medical aid to people that don't have it. We can make a direct uh, such a direct impact and do direct good. And I'm so excited about it. Um, yes, absolutely. Check out the website. See what you can do. And Mike, where are you going to be uh, tonight through Saturday? I'll be at uh, Point Pleasant, New Jersey, at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club. For all other dates, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever uh, at at I am Mike Cannon. Here is Sam Roberts. Big thanks to Sammy Zane not only for doing the show this week, but for helping a good cause as well as my pal Mike Cannon. Uh, Mike Cannon, you guys might remember, he was part of the very first Summer Sam show. That was the show we did at Caroline's with uh, Corey Graves and Paul Heyman. That was two years ago. We're inching up towards what will be Summer Sam 3, uh, and it's going to be a huge, huge week for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast leading to SummerSlam. Of course, you know I'm talking about the big live event that we have coming up at the Highline Ballroom. Here in New York City, you can go to HighlineBallroom.com right now, get tickets, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the live experience. So it's, it's for those of you that haven't been to a live event that I've done in the past, look them up on YouTube. I always try to put on a show that leaves everybody smiling, everybody's going to have fun. It really is going to be one of those... Uh, experiences that you tell your friends about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be doing all the segments. Everything you're used to on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, we're going to have our interview segment. We're going to have State of Wrestling. We're going to have surprise guests. We're going to have audience interaction. I'll tell you the first guest, too. I'm working on some other surprise guests. Wait, to, If some of the guests that I'm, I'm working on pan out, oh, you're going to be excited. But this is all about... Uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. This is all about the community that we've built. This is all about the, the conversations that you guys have enjoyed. Dan Soder is going to be joining me 
at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Live. Dan Soder, of course, you guys know him. He's been on the podcast multiple times. You heard him on the on the last year's SummerSlam preview show, just on the podcast, not live. The WrestleMania preview show, you heard him on. Uh, he's one of my favorite people to just have fun wrestling conversations with, talking about the, uh, uh, the history, I guess, of SummerSlam and probably just leading him into various wrestling impressions. Uh, but it's he's one of the best touring stand-up comics right now. So he will be so much better in front of an audience than you can imagine. Uh, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be really, really great. So I'm excited that Dan Soder is going to be joining me at the live Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast show at the Highline Ballroom. We'll also have other uh, other guests. We'll do a state of wrestling uh, and either some kind of Q&A or maybe a, a Stump Sam Wrestling trivia segment from the audience. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. So much fun, though. So much fun. And there's a couple different tickets. People ask me this. There's a couple different tickets available at HighlineBallroom.com. One is a general admission ticket, and one is a VIP meet and greet. Now, I wanted to add as much value as I could to that VIP meet and greet. So I told them, we have to make it a backstage experience. I want the people who buy the meet and greet passes to be able to come backstage, check out the green room, hang out with me for a little bit before the show, just really have uh, an, an experience of, of seeing what goes into the show. I decided I wanted to add some merch to that, too. It's not on the website, but if you buy the VIP meet and greet pass, not only will you get the backstage experience, the meet and greet, the guaranteed seat, you get the best seats for sure. You'll get to sit down before anybody else. It's all general admission, but you'll sit down first. You're guaranteed a seat. You will also get a brand new, first time you're going to, they're going to be available at all is at this event, but brand new enamel, not Sam, lapel pins. I had them made specifically for the event. They're beautiful. One is the Sam Roberts character that you see all over social media and on the chalk line jacket that they made me and everything. And the other is the I'm Not Sam logo. I had enamel metal pins made so that I could get these to you guys. They will be on sale at the show. These are $10 items. And I will give them to you if you get the VIP meet and greet. Anybody who gets that VIP ticket is going to get a free pin of their choice. Either one of the two. You you pick. I'll have them with me. You say, I like that one better. It's yours. Boom. No questions asked. You get it for free for getting the, the, the VIP meet and greet pass. By the way, I mean, everybody's wearing these pins nowadays. Um, and WrestleCrate. I don't know if you know about WrestleCrate. Uh, it's the original... Uh, monthly mystery crate for pro wrestling fans and they just added a monthly lapel pin subscription so each month if you sign up for this you get a new exclusive lapel pin to add to your collection and it's just $9.99 Russell Crate works with lapel yeah and all the other top pin companies and designers to bring you the coolest wrestling pins in the world and if you use promo code not Sam N-O-T-S-A-M to save 20% off your first month, you're going to be very happy with it. Sign up before August 18th and you're going to get August shipment. And it's 20% off. It's $9.99 a month, but your first month is 20% off with the promo code NOTSAM. Don't wait. They always sell out. Go to WrestleCrate.com, uh, who works with Lapel Yeah, uh, and of course, put in NOTSAM for that 20% off. Uh, and and it'll be amazing. You'll have You sign up for that service. And you'll get new wrestling pins every single month to go with the Not Sam pins that you'll be able to get 
at Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, live at the Highline Ballroom. You really can't go wrong. Look, if you want to get the general admission ticket, that's fine. The pins will be on sale. But there's a limited number of pins available. First crack is going to go to people who get the VIP meet and greet because it's only fair. And the people who get the VIP meet and greet are going to get them for free. So how do you go wrong? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, even if you don't want pins, just get your tickets to the Highline Ballroom show. You're going to you're gonna regret not going to this live Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I always put on a good show. Highlineballroom.com for tickets or check my social media at NotSam across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, we get into it, baby. It's the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Welcome to the State of Wrestling, and I mean, if we're going to talk about what's going on in wrestling right now, WWE or otherwise, to me, the biggest story in the world of pro wrestling this week is Nakamura getting a clean pin on John Cena. First of all, after a brutal, brutal bump that John Cena took on his neck. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that was watching SmackDown and watching John Cena take that pin. Your first your first reaction is, oh my God, I can't believe he won. Because, you know, you watch that and the way it was built up, the way it was portrayed, the first step that I was like, yeah, they got it right, was watching, for me, Nakamura come in second. They're really, for people, people when Nakamura was first in NXT were worried about him coming to WWE. They were worried because they felt like Vince McMahon or whoever would not give him the attention or the gimmick that he needed. They were worried that he would come in as, you know, some kind of Asian stereotype. They were worried that he would come in and, and, and Shinsuke Nakamura would change. We talked to AJ Styles about that on the podcast. Um, I hope that that perception of Vince McMahon and people coming up from NXT is starting to shift. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that people come up from NXT and they get used properly. It's taken Tyler Breeze this long to find something. It's taken uh, Aiden English this long to maybe find something. We don't know if this is anything yet. It, it, it killed the ascension. It's killed a lot of people to move from WWE to NXT, but I think that's by design. What I mean is this theory that for some reason Vince McMahon is going to destroy everything and going to change everything. When when Neville, for instance, when they were first talking about bringing Neville to the main roster from NXT, every wrestling website you went to said that Vince McMahon wanted to uh, dress him up literally like Mighty Mouse. Like he wanted to literally put mouse ears on Neville and turn him into Mighty Mouse, which is like, I'm sure that that's not true. I'm sure that what happened was he looked at him as a Mighty Mouse type character and somehow word got around and word gets changed and the internet believes that Vince McMahon wants to portray Neville as a mouse. And somehow when Neville gets to the main roster, he's just portrayed as Neville, the man that gravity forgot. It's happened multiple times now. I mean, the transition for Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, AJ Styles coming into WWE, Nakamura. The list goes on and on. This this fear that people have. You know, if Bobby Roode ever comes up to the main roster, and he could or he might not, who knows, 
one would believe that he will be glorious Bobby Roode. NXT is not just about learning how to work in a ring. NXT is about developing characters. And the purpose of developing characters on NXT is to transfer those characters over to the main roster. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. We'll see, for instance, Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger remains to be seen on what level he's going to work in terms of a main roster superstar. But my point being that he is carrying with him the same gimmick and personality as he had in NXT. I don't think that that, that severe repackaging is going to go on as much as people think it is. And it's not like the people who are in control of WWE believe that NXT exists in this vacuum because it's on the network, and the network is such a big uh, uh, focus for WWE. So um, I think we all need to take a second to realize that Nakamura is is really having a spotlight shined on him. And I said on a pre-show, and the reason why I said it on the pre-show was because I believed it, and I had heard it from other people, that, that Nakamura in the ring had not lived up to expectations in the beginning. And part of that is because expectations were so high for Nakamura. I was talking about Nakamura, as I think most of us were, if we're being honest, back from the uh, New Japan days. Nakamura was the guy in New Japan. People, you know, people talk about it now. They talk about Okada. They talk about Naito. They talk about, or Naito. They talk about a few different guys in New Japan, even Kenny Omega. But no one person has the superstar appeal in New Japan now that Nakamura did then. There's no one person that people look at as, oh my god, that's the man. And it was from everything. It was from his personality. It was from his entrance. It was from his uh, in-ring work. It was from his strong style stuff. It was from his submission stuff. It was from uh, everything. Everything. And, you know, we saw him used really, really well, I thought, in NXT. Right from the beginning, you know, that first match with Sami Zayn was incredible. The very first entrance was incredible. The evolution of the Nakamura entrance, great, great, great. The story with Bobby Roode was well told. All this stuff, he gets to the main roster, and it's a controversial opinion. To me, I enjoyed his matches with Baron Corbin more than I enjoyed his matches with Dolph Ziggler. I think that if you look at Dolph and Nakamura, you might think that they match up well, but you're ignoring Nakamura's strong style, which is what was getting him over. You know, he's not the bouncy, rubbery guy that he can be. His entrance is like a bouncy, rubbery guy's entrance. His look is is not necessarily this brute, you know, but the, that's the point, right? That's the juxtaposition. When he's in the ring, he is this brute. And that's why I liked him and Baron Corbin uh, teaming up, like uh, being paired off. I like that as a match. And I didn't, I wasn't as, as I didn't dislike the pay-per-view match as much as everybody else did, but there's no doubt about it that the match last week on SmackDown was much, much better. Uh, and it was great, I thought. Now, this week on SmackDown, John Cena and Nakamura get this match. And people are confused by this match when it first gets announced. You know, a lot of us were. 
we were confused as to what direction it was going in. Because as much as people say, there's a lot of people who after it happens, they go, well, of course that was going to happen. How can you really be surprised? But for months now, everywhere you've looked, as soon as they announced that John Cena was returning to SmackDown on July 4th, the prevailing opinion has been, oh, that's why they're building John Cena up as an American in this flag match with Rusev. That's why they're building Jinder Mahal as this anti-American foreign bad guy. Because at SummerSlam, the show is being designed for John Cena to either take the championship off Jinder or to kind of give Jinder the rub of beating John Cena. But the match that everybody assumed was happening was Jinder Mahal versus John Cena. So Nakamura gets uh, thrown into this thing last week on SmackDown. And some people, I was in the camp of saying, why are we doing this on SmackDown? To, to be honest, I thought John Cena was going to win. It's really complicated. I think that Nakamura winning this match makes it okay for it to have happened on SmackDown. Because even though he's won, you can't believe he'll do it twice. You will pay to see the rematch because you'll go, I still can't, I can't believe he'd do it again. Whereas if John Cena won, I'm not buying into a rematch. If John Cena beats Nakamura on SmackDown, I'm not buying into that match on pay-per-view again because I believe that John Cena can beat Nakamura because John Cena is a superhero who beats everybody. But when Nakamura beats John Cena, I can be convinced because of John Cena's history, I can be convinced that he had a lucky night, that Nakamura was the better man on that evening. But history dictates that John Cena is one of the best of all time. So with that said, John Cena would like to prove that he's the best of all time and there's going to be a rematch on a pay-per-view. I still think that even though he's beaten John Cena, Nakamura goes into the match the underdog. And i buy that match on pay-per-view if John Cena did not beat Nakamura. It's the same thing with Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. And I'll talk about that, about what happened on Raw, because as long as Roman Reigns has not beaten Samoa Joe, I'll buy into that. Because that's like, okay, yeah, he's beaten Brock Lesnar. Yeah, he's beaten this guy. He's beaten that guy. But he can't beat Samoa Joe. I'm interested in that. And I'll keep buying into pay-per-views because of it. Not purchasing pay-per-views, we have the network, but I mean buying in as in I'm invested. I wouldn't be invested in a Nakamura-John Cena match on pay-per-view anytime soon if John Cena had won that match. Because it would almost be like, yeah, we all knew what it was, and thanks for coming, Nakamura, but this is WWE and John Cena is Super Cena. I also think that you have to give John Cena so much credit for what he did and what he does, and what he's doing. There have been a lot of critics of John Cena, and John Cena has not put over every single guy. But that's why he's John Cena. If you put over every single new guy, that's not something you can sustain. You have to pick and choose. In order for you putting guys over to actually mean something, you have to pick and choose which guys you're going to put over. John Cena didn't have to lose that match that way. John Cena could have decided, hey, I'm John Cena. I don't know if you've heard about this, but I'm going to be in the Bumblebee Transformers movie, okay? I'm kind of a big deal. 
I'm in a pistachios commercial. I'm going to play Ferdinand the Bull. I hang out with Tina Fey sometimes. I had pretend sex with Amy Schumer on a movie set. Okay? I'm kind of a big deal. I've decided tonight Nakamura will not pin me clean. I'll lose the match if you need me to, fine. But we need a nice, good old-fashioned schmoz. But we didn't get a schmoz, did we? We got a clean victory for Nakamura, and that, at the end of the day, is a decision that is made by Vince McMahon and it is made by John Cena, in my opinion. I don't know. I'm not on that much of an inside track. I know John Cena is a good guy, but I don't get involved in his business. I keep to myself. I I interact with these people, but generally speaking, I keep to myself. I don't stick my nose all over the place because I don't think anything good is going to come of sticking my nose all over the place. But from, from the vibe that I get, from the stories that I hear, John Cena can be credited with making the decision to do the right thing by Nakamura and to put Nakamura in a position. John Cena knows the business, right? John Cena is a student of the business. He's not lying when he talks about how much he cares about WWE. And at the end of the day, John Cena knows that if we are going into SummerSlam and he is not going to be the good guy who is challenging the bad guy for the WWE Championship, then he's got to make sure that the fans believe that the good guy that is challenging the bad guy for the WWE Championship has the ability to beat said bad guy, has the ability to carry the WWE Championship. He needs Brooklyn and the fans watching at home to be watching Nakamura versus Jinder and think to themselves, I buy Nakamura as champion. Because if you don't, you're not buying into the match. I think that this is this is it's it's just good news for everybody. I was scared though, as I started this thing. Uh, I was scared with the bump that John Cena took, landing directly on his head, on the back of his head. So when I first saw the decision, I go, "Oh my God! I can't believe Nakamura won." Because as that's how I watched the match. Like it was interesting psychologically. I didn't watch the John Cena Nakamura match as in like, oh, who's the better man? Who's going to win? I I watched it thinking like there's an opportunity here to do something special or to continue to do things the way they've always been done. And every near fall that John Cena got, when he hit that second attitude adjustment, that's when I'm catching my breath going, no, no. They're just going to go back and do things the way they've always been done. And then he kicks out and you go, maybe they're going to do something special. And that was the war that was going on in my head. That's what what had me so invested in the match. And uh, when he when John Cena was dropped on the back of his head, I was like, oh my God, that's that looks insane. Like that looks not survivable. And Nakamura gets the one, two, three. The first thing I think is, oh my God, they did something special. Oh my God, they did it. Like every every wrestling fan on the internet. I think you know what that means. But I go, oh my God, I can't believe they did this. Like that's that's insane. And then a split second later, I go, oh no. What if John Cena couldn't kick out because he's hurt? That's what a big deal this was. That's what a huge thing it was that Nakamura beat John Cena. I thought for a second maybe John Cena didn't kick out because he couldn't because he's hurt. 
So I was so relieved to see John Cena standing at the end of the match and raising Nakamura's arm and everything. And even if he is, if, if it hurt or he is injured or whatever, it's not as serious as it could have been. But it was a scary, scary moment for sure. For sure, for sure. I love the spotlight that's being put on Nakamura. And I, I, I think that Nakamura has begun to rise to the occasion. Here's what I think happened. It was the Money in the Bank pre-show when I said what I said about Nakamura, when I said he hasn't lived up to his potential that a lot of us fans have. Because I think there was... You don't want to say it because Nakamura is so beloved, and I don't want to say it for sure because he's like my favorite. But everyone's my favorite, but he's my favorite. Um, But there was this feeling for those of us that really watched him become a star in New Japan, and even the NXT people, that, okay... I haven't quite seen what I know I can see. Probably a lot of that had to do with us being impatient, us fans being impatient. But there were those of us that was like, ah, we're not quite there. That night we we got there, though. I said that on the pre-show for Money in the Bank, and I don't take back what I said at that time, because I was talking about at that time. I also said, you know, I know he can get there. That was the point of me saying that. But... It was that pay-per-view, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. And I talked about this with AJ on the podcast a couple weeks ago. That stare down between Nakamura and AJ Styles, that moment where the two of them were looking at each other, that, that was the moment where it was like, there's Nakamura, there's your star. There's your guy that gets people excited. There's your guy that people care about. That's him. And it was. And and since then, I think he's been on a roll. I think he's showing a different side of himself with Baron Corbin. I think that his match with John Cena was incredible on SmackDown this week. And I'm so excited to see what goes on with Jinder and Nakamura. This is not bad news for Jinder Mahal either. You know, Jinder Mahal, for the last three pay-per-views, has been isolated uh, to matches with Randy Orton. It, it's almost like you've taken your WWE championship and you've separated it from the roster. There's everything else going on on SmackDown because everything else is intertwined, right? You've got Kevin Owens and AJ Styles, but in there is 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 Shane McMahon and, and Daniel Bryan and, and this guy and that guy. You know, there are other people getting involved in this thing. You know, you got Sami Zayn and Mike Kanellis, and then jumping in is, is, is Aiden English and, and this and that. You've got the New Day and the Usos, but somehow the Fashion Police are kind of tied to that because it's a tag team thing and ba-da-da. With, with Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal, nobody else on the roster was tied to it. It was like it was existing independently. From, it's like you had Raw, you had SmackDown, you had Jinder Mahal and Randy Orton. And that's not good for a champion, especially an unproven champion like Jinder Mahal. When you want to prove that Jinder Mahal is... Like when you have a champion that has people going like, What? How is he the champion? I think you want to spend some time proving and explaining why he's the champion. And that's not being done when he's just got the one opponent over the course of three pay-per-views. That said, Nakamura could be the right guy to get that done. And I think he is. I think if I had to guess, Nakamura will be the right guy to get that done. Um... I, I think it, it, it brings... Nakamura is not separated. Nakamura is part of this roster. And and I think it brings people in. And it's a match we haven't seen yet. 
which is very, very valuable. SummerSlam is getting interesting. SummerSlam is getting really interesting on the SmackDown side. You got I thought it was we were leaning towards a Kevin Owens uh Shane McMahon match, but instead you've got Shane McMahon refereeing the AJ Styles Kevin Owens match. By the way, that's finish on SmackDown. Was that the finish that was meant to be done in reverse at the pay per view? I don't know. But it looked familiar. Um So you have you have that. You have Shane McMahon as the referee. Randy Orton versus Rusev, you know. I guess it's something for the guys to do. I, I, what I would hope after all this gender stuff is that Rusev beats Randy Orton clean and Randy Orton goes away for a little bit. For a little bit. I think Randy's great. But he failed at attempting to get the WWE Championship on three different occasions. And now he's got Rusev. I think Rusev needs the victory a lot more than Randy does. And uh, I think that that's, uh, I think that, that that could be a very, very good thing. I'll, I'll tell you. Something that and, and 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 the Usos and the New Day. I just brought them up a minute ago. That's why I say it again. I'm having so much fun watching them. The Usos are about as relevant as any act on the show is right now, in terms of being hip, in terms of being original, in terms of being young, in terms of being relatable. The Usos are about as hip as it gets. They're doing things that we haven't seen before, like the New Day. Did that entrance how many times? Hundreds and hundreds of times we've heard that same entrance done. Nobody's ever jumped them. Nobody's ever, like, look, we've never even really acknowledged that just because Big E is doing his introduction in the gorilla position does not mean that other superstars do not have access to him. I thought it was so original and good and one of those things where... Somebody who doesn't necessarily watch. They might go, oh, where's he making that announcement from? And you go, oh, from the other side of the curtain. Why don't the guys just jump him on the other side of the curtain? I don't know, because it's wrestling. No, he's right. Why don't they? Well, they did. And that's great. Those are the questions that you want answered. Why doesn't he just do that? Oh, good idea. He's going to go do it right now. And then mocking the New Day's entrance this week. I found, I, I, You talk about a tag team that's on a roll. I, I can't think of a tag team and and here's the thing about the usos is they weren't one of these teams like the fashion police the fashion police uh almost came together out of necessity fandango was doing nothing tyler breeze was doing nothing then for a while the fashion police as a team were doing nothing finally they uh strike gold with these fashion police uh files vignettes that they're doing and i loved the twin peaks one this week but the usos are not that story. The Usos, whether you like them or not, in terms of kids and merchandise and all that stuff, the Usos were one of, if not the hottest, good guy tag teams before the New Day. The Usos were at, went on a huge run as a very popular good guy tag team. So the idea that they take that, which was going so well for them, and reinvent themselves is awesome. It's really, really cool, especially as well as they've reinvented themselves, and the way it's 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 a it's a reflect it's a real reflection of society. You don't get, I find, as much of a reflection of society as you used to in WWE, and that's your goal, right? In the world of pro wrestling, that's what made the Attitude Era so successful, anyway. I think, in my in in my humble opinion, was not the uh, uh, the nudity or the or the blood or the language. 
It was this relatability. We get it. That is a reflection of what we live. And the New Day, and I'm sorry, and the Usos fit into that mold and, and make for great foils for the New Day. The thing to remember about the Nakamura-John Cena thing is that Nakamura winning that match really, really mattered. And the reason is that you remember that is because wins and losses, even in this world of pro wrestling, wins and losses really, really matter. If you have what we can call a sport, and you are running it, and you are the only sport with the advantage of being able to decide who wins and loses, why you would not acknowledge that power is a little bit beyond me. That's why UFC can't create a, a, a long-term star outside of Conor McGregor. I mean, look at everybody they've tried to make into stars. Ronda Rousey collapsed. You know, Randy Couture, Rampage Jackson. Maybe not so much Randy Couture because that was before. But Rampage Jackson fits into it. There's a litany of guys who you thought would be the guy. Even Anderson Silva can't be a star anymore because he loses fights. Ronda Rousey lost a fight. John Bones is getting ready to uh, uh, become a, a big UFC star, but the minute he starts losing fights, he's out. Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen was, was a main event draw, but he loses fights, so he can't be anymore. And what's Dana White going to do? He can't decide who wins and loses fights. He can't even... He has to... The, the judges can't even be paid by Dana White. They have to be paid by an athletic commission. In WWE, we have the advantage of deciding who wins and loses. Not we as fans, but the people running WWE have this advantage. That's why this idea that wins and losses don't really matter is is beyond me. I think it, it, it's, it's something that could have hurt Nakamura had he lost. And the reason why... It instead did not. It was the opposite for Nakamura. It strengthened Nakamura so much is because he got the victory. Not just performed well in the match, but got the victory. This is a problem more so on Raw, I find, than SmackDown. The winning matters. I talked about it before, but it's the biggest problem they have right now in their Raw women's division is that Sasha Banks has started and stopped more times than I do driving to work on a New York City highway in rush hour. Stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. That's the story of Sasha Banks on Raw. And I don't understand it, you know? And 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 I'm sure that there's an explanation for it, but I don't see I don't see how it's helpful. Bailey too. Okay, for whatever reason, Sasha Banks is not your person. That's fine. Bailey's injured now, so I don't know if she's going to be out of action. They said on the website that Bailey had a shoulder injury coming off of Raw. But let's take that out of, of the equation for right now because at press time, we don't know exactly what it means. But if you're going to put Bailey, I, that's why to me, Bailey injury or not, we're not done making the women's main event on the Raw side for SummerSlam. I don't think we're done. 
because I cannot for the life of me figure out why you would spend as much time as you spent making Bailey look foolish next to Alexa Bliss only to have Bailey disappear from the scene, hug Corey Graves in a weird spot for no apparent reason, and then come back and be the number one contender again. After what happened at Extreme Rules this year, and not just Bailey losing, but the match not being quite as 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 you know good as it should have been. But more importantly, is, is the story, the story of Bailey getting mocked relentlessly, being told she's not extreme, being told she can't hang in an Extreme Rules Singapore cane kendo stick on a pole match, and then she doesn't. Why now would I go, okay, it's time for her to take a month away from the title picture and then come back and she'll just get the match at SummerSlam? Like, we've already seen it, and we've seen Bailey lose multiple times, and, and, and convincingly so. So why not put Sasha Banks? You know, you forget, too. You talk about NXT people coming up. Every SummerSlam, I think of that, and I, I think of... I think of that SummerSlam TakeOver, the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn one, two years ago now, because this is the third TakeOver Brooklyn this year. The very first one, two years ago, when Bailey and Sasha Banks stole the show. Bailey versus Sasha Banks was the match to write home about. Bailey versus Sasha Banks stole match of the night from Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor in a ladder match. That's how good the match was. If you don't believe me, go on the network and watch it yourself. I would I I would love to know the story behind why things are gun shy with Sasha Banks. I would love to know that story. Because it's just a weird thing. It's just a weird thing that it hasn't happened. You know, I could kind of understand. I could devil's advocate my way out of a conversation about uh, Charlotte and Sasha flipping the title back and forth all year. Okay, not the choice I would have made, but okay, you don't want to prove that one is necessarily better than the other. You don't want... Whatever. Okay, fine. Fine. But... Then for, for Sasha to come out of that and not be the person that, you know, a lot of us fans think that she is, is, is odd. And I'd love to know why. And on the topic of wins and losses being important, I was really disappointed at what happened in the triple threat match on Raw this week. Um, I thought the match was great. I didn't have a huge problem with it happening. Some people did. Some people felt like... Uh, for that triple threat match to happen on Raw, it takes some of the glory out of SummerSlam. Uh, I didn't don't necessarily agree with that because I think most of the glory in the SummerSlam match is Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar is the attraction at every pay-per-view that Brock Lesnar is on for whatever organization he's fighting for, and we'll get to that. But... Uh, so, so I don't necessarily feel like the triple threat match took away from SummerSlam. I do wish they would acknowledge the fact that Braun Strowman almost died in a car accident, right? That Roman Reigns almost killed Braun Strowman. 
I think a bigger deal needs to be made out of that. But the reason why I was like, ah, oh, man, the reason I was a little disappointed in the triple threat match this week was Samoa Joe losing to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns got the victory over Samoa Joe to win the triple threat match. And it's like, unless I'm missing something, which is happy, to me, Joe not losing to Roman Reigns was what we were kind of banking on, right? What what made the whole thing compelling was Joe not having lost to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns going through all these people and not Samoa Joe. Yeah, see? Even Lila's upset about it. She was watching with me. Lila Garrity was sitting there going, how, how does this happen? I don't understand. Why did Samoa Joe lose on Raw? Well, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I think that more than anything, that more than anything is what uh, kind of takes some of the glitter away from SummerSlam is that now we do know that he's beatable. You know, now we do know that uh, 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 Roman Reigns can beat Samoa Joe. And I didn't want to know that because it's implied. It's implied that that could happen because, you know, he can beat anybody, Roman Reigns. He's, he's like John Cena. He's a superhero. But I don't want to have – like, like that, that to me is what you can save for SummerSlam. Like let's say let's say Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar take each other out, and now you've got Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe face to face. Well, now you're dealing with a scenario where hey, this is this is bad news for Roman Reigns. This is a guy who Roman Reigns has not been able to beat. How is Roman Reigns going to walk out of there with the championship? And he might not. He very well might not. I could easily see I could easily see any of those four guys leaving SummerSlam with the championship. I just think that in terms of storytelling, you keep Samoa Joe looking as unbeatable as possible. Um, you know, he's already a threat to Brock Lesnar because he put up a really strong fight. So make him be a threat to Roman Reigns too in the sense that Roman hasn't beaten him. I think that makes sense. So the question is, and we brought this up a couple weeks ago, people started talking about the fact that Brock Lesnar... Uh, has rumored to have submitted, resubmitted himself into the uh, USADA registry or whatever it is that has made it so he is applicable, applicable, is that the word? To return to the Ultimate Fighting Championship, to UFC, that he's being drug tested again. And I said before, I think that it's a little embarrassing for UFC to bring back Brock Lesnar now based on, on how Brock left, but... I think it's going to happen based on the fact that we're we're in a, we're in a super fight era. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather have ushered us into a super fight era. And John Jones, John Bones Jones, who's who's this? If you guys don't watch UFC, I don't you know, cuz I come from a wrestling world, so you got to have uh you got to have an it factor to to garner my interest in UFC and John Jones has a major major it factor. If John Jones was not a UFC fighter making as much money as he is, he'd be a terrific pro wrestler. But he after winning his his return fight last week or last weekend, uh called out Brock Lesnar. And I could see that match happening. Brock Lesnar would go in with a 
30 to 40 pound weight advantage over John Jones, which is a world of difference in UFC, but because they're both technically heavyweights, there's that there's there's room for that to happen. No, in the other weight classes you wouldn't be able to have that much room, but in this one you are. Um and and I think it's a tricky one for Brock because personally, even though he's smaller than Brock, John Jones for the limited amount of, of admittedly limited amount of information I, I possess about the world of MMA, John Jones is just an incredible fighter. He is a next level fighter. And in my opinion, John Jones could avoid getting taken down and smothered by Brock Lesnar. And if he were to avoid that, John Jones can beat Brock Lesnar. And I think that there is a high likelihood that John Jones would beat Brock Lesnar. I think that that's, that could very likely happen if that match were to ha- if that fight were to happen in UFC, and you know I I don't know what that does to Brock Lesnar's value in WWE, but I certainly know what it does to his value in UFC. It's like when you when you fail a drug test, you win fights. When you pass drug tests, you lose fights. I don't think that there's that much room anymore in UFC for something like that. But it's a big money fight, and that's why I th- I think it's going to happen. We don't live in a world where Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor isn't going to happen. It is going to happen because it's worth a lot of money. And so I think that that's what makes me think that Brock Lesnar versus John Jones will absolutely happen. And I, I think that that John Jones may win that, that fight. That said, I don't think it necessarily means it's the end of Brock Lesnar in WWE. And if that fight does happen, what do they say? The earliest it could possibly happen is like November? I guess Brock would have to go into training right now if the fight were to happen in November. Um, I could see WWE making a similar deal with Brock that they did before, where Brock would technically still be under contract as he is until WrestleMania, but as a WWE superstar, he would go into UFC and, and have this big fight. The same way Conor McGregor is going into this fight with Floyd Mayweather and Dana White is making a lot of money off of it, I'm sure Vince McMahon could figure out a way to make money off of this Brock Lesnar-John Jones fight that would take place in a UFC octagon. But I don't think that necessarily means he's losing the title at SummerSlam. Weird things happen, okay? I I wouldn't be the most shocked person in the world if they did something crazy and had Brock Lesnar walk into UFC with the WWE Championship. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. That said, I don't think it will, and my gut tells me that there will be a new Universal Champion at SummerSlam. I haven't quite pinpointed who it is yet, but if it's me, if I'm the one making the call... I'm putting the title on on Braun Strowman. Forget who cares, whatever. F it at this point. You tried a lot of stuff. I'm putting the title on Braun Strowman because I don't think this is the moment for Samoa Joe. I think that's going to be a special thing. And I don't, I, I think we're not, you know, Roman Reigns has not gotten to a place where we as fans would be okay with him as universal champion. I think it's going to be Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman is champion. He gives us a lot of cool matches. Braun Strowman as champion becomes this this mountain of a man. Well, he's a monster among men that people can't beat. Braun Strowman as champion is this is this mountain that we just can't climb. But he's a mountain that we just can't climb that's on Raw every week. Brock Lesnar is a mountain that we can't climb that shows up once every three months. Braun Strowman is a mountain that we can't climb that's there every single show and even live events. 
That's why I would, if it's me, I would move the Universal Championship from Brock Lesnar to Braun Strowman. And it's cool, and it's new, and it's something everybody would accept. They'd all Brooklyn would go nuts, nuts, if Braun Strowman won that match. They'd go crazy for him. So that's the move that I would make. And then I'd allow, if I'm WWE, I'd allow Brock Lesnar to fight in UFC whenever he wants. All it does is, is, is increase his profile. Even if he loses to Jon Jones, I don't think it hurts him in the WWE ring. Because like I said, WWE can control how often Brock Lesnar loses inside a squared circle. They're not going to make him look bad. Um, and the only other couple notes I have from this week are, are I really hope that, that this Jason Jordan thing is leading to a turn. It seems like we're going to see... A, oh, oh, yeah, and, and, and big cast and, and big show ending Raw this week was insane. Well, I don't know what 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 that was all about, but <laughs> I, I I have no idea. But um, I think we're leading to a Jason Jordan Miz match at SummerSlam, and I don't mind this. I really don't mind that this Jason Jordan thing is a long play towards an eventual result. I just hope there is an eventual result, and it's not just hey, let's put a spotlight on Jason Jordan because that's odd. It's a weird thing to do if you don't have uh, accusations of nepotism going towards Kurt Angle. I don't know why we uh, spend so much time doing this, but. I don't mind a Jason Jordan-Miz match, and I think Miz is the right hands to put Jason Jordan in right now. You watch him, and he's, he's he comes across as a little bit green, I find, um, but still, just mountains upon mountains of potential, and I think Jason Jordan's going to be a big, big star, and I think the Miz is going to be able to bring out a lot in him. Speaking of big stars, though, from American Alpha, Chad Gable is ready today. He's ready yesterday. It uh, Chad Gable versus Rusev on SmackDown. If that show had not been centered around John Cena versus Nakamura, Chad Gable versus Rusev would have been match of the night. And I'm glad Chad Gable didn't win. I'm glad Chad Gable lost because I don't want the world to be given to him just yet. I want him to earn it a little bit. I want him to for I want us fans to be able to watch Chad Gable and be like, why isn't he getting more? I want fans to watch Chad Gable and say, that's the guy I want. And it will happen and I think it will happen quick. Because he's incredible, and I think he's charismatic, and I loved his puns in NXT. I just think that, uh, you know, Jason Jordan being Kurt Angle's son could be the greatest thing that ever happened to Chad Gable. I could easily see that going down. Speaking of the greatest thing, the greatest thing is about to happen to you. Don't forget. Don't forget. If you haven't bought tickets already, buy them now. You will not regret it. Uh, Trust me when I tell you. Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live is coming to the Highline Ballroom in New York City August 16th. That's a that's the Wednesday before SummerSlam. Wednesday night at 8 p.m. It's going to be a busy week that week for stuff that I'm doing, for stuff that I'm doing for us, but I want to put on a show that is specifically for the podcasts, uh, for, for this podcast, for you, the audience, for, for the community that we've built together. I want to celebrate this here wrestling podcast uh and i can't wait to do it we're going to do state of wrestling we're going to do uh, our interview segment dan soder is going to break down SummerSlam for me go back and listen to the the wrestlemania breakdown and last year's SummerSlam breakdown with dan soder now imagine this guy's a stand-up comedian imagine how good it's going to be in front of a live audience and you get to be the live audience go to highlineballroom.com 
and buy tickets right now to see Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live Wednesday night, August 16th at 8 p.m. It's going to be a barn burner, and we'll see you next week. Before then, here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Toodaloo. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.